From the beautiful city of Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. We got a loaded episode for y'all today. We are talking first to an incredibly talented filmmaker who's screening with LADFF in just well less than a month. And then later in the show, we're going to be joined by Erica Easter from our friend and sponsor, E-Minutes. She's going to be talking to us about the benefits of creating an LLC or a company as an independent filmmaker. But before we get into it, if you like what you hear today, please subscribe to Film Forward on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from for weekly episodes where we not only interview LADFF filmmakers, we also interview filmmakers with new theatrical releases, and of course we do our patented Gimme 3 episodes. But today we're talking about the tremendous short film, When She Was Good, and we are joined by the film's director and co-writer, Margarita Milne. Margarita, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so tell us about this, uh, this incredible film, When She Was Good. Um, so it was basically my graduation film from NFTS, which is the National Film and Television School in the UK. And we were in lockdown when we made this film. So I was just kind of in my bedroom thinking of what I could make. <laughs> and yeah, I think maybe being in the family home, being stuck inside, like all kind of contributed to this idea coming around, which was about a girl who discovers Santa's not real. And then through that, you also learn that the man who's dressing up as Santa, who's the mother's boyfriend is sexually abusing her so it was kind of we use santa as a vehicle to explore childhood sexual abuse basically and i mean it's it's very like uh poignant and powerful to throw santa claus in this story of sexual abuse because like such a beloved like mythical feature for kids it's a really like brilliant approach because it perfectly embodies like lying and, and, and betrayal, which so much of this story is about, where did that idea arise from to incorporate Santa Claus? It kind of, it, weirdly enough, we started off with finding out that Santa doesn't exist idea, because I think they would say to you when you're starting out, like, dig into like things that have happened to you. And mm. we were, I for some reason, I just remember, I really remember being told by my sister that he wasn't real and it being, feeling like really disorientated. It was like my first, I feel like, experience of being really like thrown by the universe and just feeling quite existential for someone <laughs> so young um and then and then f- kind of through that we were thinking about lying and lies we all accept as like a society and I did a lot of thinking about that and then I kept thinking about like child abuse and all this kind of stuff and for a while we were actually well I was obviously quite nervous to do that because it's such a big topic and I felt a lot of pressure um but we just felt it fitted really well because like you say, it's um, the whole like lying thing and having to accept something and people not seeing the truth and kind of not wanting to see the truth. And then also actually thinking about how with my co-writer, how Santa's this strangely sexualized figure, um, right, despite yeah. his proximity to children. You know, you have all those songs that are quite sexual about Santa coming down the chimney and then this idea of like naughty and nice and yeah it's just like it seemed to fit in lots of ways where we were like okay we have to go with this i had you know santa has always made me uh 
uncomfortable and I, and and I could never quite put my finger on it. Perhaps you hit the nail on the head. It's like, there is some odd, like weird sexualization that is kind of like unnecessary. (laughs) The whole situation. You know, I find it interesting. A lot of the stories I like to dig my teeth into are like from the point of view of children, especially dramatic films. Like, you know, like Mm. family films are one thing, but like dramatic films told from the perspective of children always kind of fascinate me. As the filmmaker, as both like the writer and director, how do you kind of like put yourself into that perspective and kind of like tell that story both on the page and visually through that point of view? Yeah, I think I'm the same in that I really enjoy thinking about stuff from children's point of view as well. Just because I often think, because basically I also um, tutor and I teach kind of this age group as well. So I think I have had a lot of experiences when you're a private tutor, you get to like enter a lot of people's houses and you see how their family operate. And just often like feeling like often I'm on the child's side or just seeing things from their point of view. There's basically a lot of pressure in the UK when you get to 11 plus these exams to perform and get into these like good schools. And you just kind of, see it from the child's point of view and they're so young and then the adults they have all the kind of you know they have their other agenda going on so in a way I felt like for quite a few years I've been like kind of with the kid in my head um and then in this for this specific film we just thought about a lot about kind of yeah just that experience of having your sense of reality completely ripped away like and how that would feel so we we have a lot of like shots just on like basically on her face. Like we, we cast this amazing girl, Georgina Morgan, who's just like an incredible actress. And you kind of, I wanted to stay on her face anyway, to be honest, because I just thought she's such a striking face <laughs> and she's really subtle with all her expressions. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a lot of it of just like basically wide shots of what she sees and being on her face, like really as simple as that. And yeah, a lot of people have commented that we've managed to capture her experience quite well. I think that just has a lot to do with the cinematography, which is actually quite simple. And then her performance as well. Yeah, she's very emotive, but not like overly emotive. As you mentioned, it's just like little subtle things that as the audience is like, there's enough there for the audience to be able to like pick up these revelations and this these really dark moments that she's going through. She's incredible. I'm excited to see what else she does. Yeah, no, same. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. She did like a BBC thing, but like she was kind of did it whilst we were shooting. And it, yeah, she was just, so yeah, I think she's going to do really good things, basically. Another thing that stood out to me in the film was your use of color, kind of in relation to one of the Gimme Three films that you picked, which also has like a lot of Christmassy scenes in that one. But your use of color and uh, specifically like the use of red in contrast with like, the design of the house, you know, red is like this passionate color, but it has a different meaning and connotation in this film. Talk to us about like coming up with your use of color and like working with your production designer to like pull off some some of these like really incredible images. Yeah, we spoke a lot about the color red, like you have noticed, like obviously because Christmas is such a, we associated red and like Santa's outfit and his costume. So we basically wanted the start of the film to be a lot brighter and kind of not so much so that it was like wouldn't fit the tone of our film because we always wanted to have an unsettling feeling from the opening but we were aware that we wanted it to feel to kind of 
mislead the audience and be like, this is, you know, but, but as you are with Riley, like this is going to be the best Christmas ever. Like, blah, blah, blah. And then as you go on, you realize uh, it's getting a bit darker. And then we kind of introduced a lot more white and like creams and beige and the grade also changed. Like we were quite conscious of that. So it was a combination of like props and literally what we did with the grading where as when she discovered Santa's not real, it's almost like some of the lightness is gone and it becomes a bit more somber. We were quite conscious of like coordinating everything as well because we wanted it to feel quite claustrophobic. So like in the dream sequence, she's wearing these floral pyjamas and the wallpapers kind of got like branches on. And so it's this weird, these weird spaces inside that are have wallpaper that is suggestive of the outside world but actually she's like really trapped so we kind of use that to make her feel even more trapped like she's being sold this like fake reality inside Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely that feeling of trapped and that feeling of kind of not being a part of this world feeling you know separated or removed or kind of alien to the world is something i think i'm not sure if that's what you were going for but there is that kind of sense that we get from riley that i thought was also like really powerful and like kind of universal that was like what i kind of related to through the character yeah. oh yeah Oh, that's good. Yeah. No, I I relate to that as well. <laughs> I think I think we yeah, because I think there's just I think the film for me, as aside from being about abuse, is that sense of feeling like alien, like that idea that there's so many things going on right now that are really confusing for our brains, like you know, like climate change and everything, and just like carrying on with our day to day whilst these crazy things are happening does make you feel a bit removed and a bit strange, basically. So we wanted to kind of capture that feeling of like cognitive dissonance of the world's carrying on but she's just realized that it's completely screwed up and like she's yeah because the the realization that Santa doesn't exist we want it to be also that's when she starts processing her the fact that she's being abused so before that she's kind of just because she can cling on to this Santa as like this fantasy figure she still actually hasn't processed the abuse because she's using it as kind of an escape and then when that happens she's doesn't really have anything to escape into. Yeah, very well done. I was looking at your deck this morning and there's a really like funny image in the back of it of like the the entire, you know, like you shot it obviously during COVID, which we're still living in and filming in and working with the parameters of, but there's an image of that like family portrait and every like yeah. your whole cast is in the masks and the yeah. talk to us just about like kind of shooting the, the challenges of, of working with COVID and at what stage of COVID did you guys shoot this? We shot in I think it was quite yeah it was like peak times it was like July August 2021 I think yeah so it was like kind of oh, 2020 sorry so it was um so it's still yeah new. I, yeah it was quite new. Like the UK, we opened up for a bit and I think people were starting to be able to shoot again, but it was still social distancing on set. And if you could afford it, you could, you could get people tested. But I think our budget, had we can afford it because we spent so much on costume and stuff. So we um, were meant to social distance. And then we had this scene where we were like, okay, well, we really need everyone really close by. So there were these rules where, with the masks. It was like, okay, they can stand next to each other for a few minutes and then they have to disperse. So it's all this new world. And I, yeah, I definitely found personally quite hard with the visor. I found the visor particularly, because if I got a bit close, I kind of like to whisper notes to actors. Right. And I don't really like the other cast members necessarily hearing my notes because I think 
otherwise they like preempt um stuff so yeah. i would get quite close and i was always being told off yeah put your visor on and that was a bit <laughs> i feel like 50 percent of my brain was kind of thinking about covid rules and it's so hard i'm an ad and i'm not like the kind of like i don't like to shout it's not my you know style of of ading but just like being in the mask and then oh yeah in la it's like we have to wear a mask and then we'd have to wear a face shield if we come in close contact with the actors which obviously i have to do mm. so i felt but like because they couldn't hear me they were always like what what so i was like always having to like shout and it's like then my <laughs> voice would start hurting and then i'm like oh do i have covid my my throat hurts and it's like no oh, i've just been, i've just been screaming for 12 hours today and you just like lose, i don't know if you found this advice but you just like put it somewhere and constantly i oh, felt yeah. like i was just losing it constantly. all the time really oh, yeah. contaminating everything with it yeah strange times strange times covid aside now that the film is done and it's having a great run you played it a bunch of really tremendous festivals and like i said we're excited to be screening with you what's your what's your kind of biggest uh takeaway from the project I think one of my biggest takeaways was just getting a good script is like really <laughs> valuable. Which obviously I knew, I kind of ish knew before, but I think with this film, I really felt like we had a very strong script from the get go. And then just everything felt like it was fell into place a lot easier because just everyone was really on board with it. And I think that made me realize that like it's better to take slightly longer to get a script really good and then go full steam. Because sometimes I've kind of like rushed into projects when the story's not been quite there. And then films actually yeah, because they take so long to make. It's I don't know. But realistically I'm also aware that like that was I was in quite a, a lucky position in that I was at film school and I'm sure in the real world, the script is changing as you're shooting. <laughs> so, so what I've learned, I'm not sure how transferable that will be when I'm when I am yeah, hired. But but you know, it's something to know. At least at least you can know yeah, what you're getting into. When she was good, everybody. It screens with the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. It's going to be screening on August 20th as a part of the block through her lens. And tickets are on sale right now at LADFF.com. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, Margarita is going to help us out with our favorite segment. Give me three. We'd like to take a minute to talk about LADFF sponsor E-Minutes. E-Minutes is a corporate entertainment law firm that handles the corporate minutes for more than 38,000 entities involved in the entertainment industry. Like last year, they're sponsoring an award with the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival called the Emerging Filmmaker Award. You can learn more about our partnership with E-Minutes Arts and their mission to amplify the voices of underrepresented storytellers at eminutes.com forward slash arts. That's eminutes.com forward slash arts. All right, welcome back to Film Forward, everybody. We're talking with writer-director Margarita Milne, and she's about to give us three films that have inspired her or inspired her work. Margarita, let's get your first one. So the first one is Carol by Todd Haynes. And this was, I yeah, someone recommended this to me because we would think, obviously, we were shooting at Christmas in the summer. So they were like, <laughs> how do you bring Christmas to life? All this kind of stuff. And 
they suggested I, someone suggested I watch Carol, which I had watched before. And then as I just became actually quite obsessed with it, I think I, I, think I watched it about 10 times in the run up to this, the making of this film. I kind of used it as a learning exercise as well for the camera work because I just thought it was so beautifully shot. Like the cinematographer is also a photographer. And I just thought all this stuff through windows was really beautiful because we, you know, we were going to be shooting in a house. So I was like super inspired by that. And then the palette as well, because they do Christmas really tastefully. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like the main thing. We didn't want like a kind of really crass kind of bright Christmas. So that was the main inspiration. It was very visual, that film. Yeah, that, that film is just shot gorgeously. And when I was referencing the color earlier, it was Carol, the, the one that I was, oh, uh, right. that I was yeah. thinking of. The use of color is great. And yeah, like the photography in that film is just uh, really beautiful and a lot of texture. Yeah. Great choice. Okay, what's your, your second pick? So the next one is The Witch by Robert Eggers. And that's because of the kind of fairy tale vibe that it has going on. So the folky fairy tale stuff. So we were really inspired as well by the Grimm's fairy tale short stories because they're kind of these fairy tales that are quite violent. Mm -hmm. So as another visual reference, we thought The Witch was quite good as like this horror fantasy film. And again, we were quite inspired by the palette as well. Ours has a bit more colour than this one. But we love the textures of this film. And yeah, it was mainly the, the textures, I'd say. Like everything in this film, I think, is just like you want to tr- touch. Like it's it's very textured film. So that was another visual inspiration. Yeah. I mean, it's a complete 180 from Carol. That's awesome that you could have like two movies that are seemingly polar opposite and then have them both inspire oh, the one film. Yeah. Isn't, yeah, that, isn't yeah. that awesome, though? I love that. Yeah. I really love this guy's work. I'm not sure if you've seen The Lighthouse or The Northman, but... I, oh, I, yeah, I saw them both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this guy's going places. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, he's really talented. I think The Witch is actually my favorite of his films as well. I don't know why. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, so, there's something like just kind of like ethereal, and I think there's like so many layers to it. I've only I've seen it a couple times, and each time I watched it, I took away like a totally different like experience and perspective, so... I'm excited to watch it a third time even. All right, Margarita, your third and final choice. So my final choice is this uh, Austrian film called Goodnight Mummy. It's just like a psychological horror. And that film's all from the perspective of the child. And it's all about how these twin boys are moved to a new house with their mum. And she's had this face-changing cosmetic surgery. And they don't really recognize her anymore. And it's all about... It's basically their story, like in the house, trying to get, you know, and then I won't ruin the twist. But that was really useful just for thinking about how to bring to life the child's point of view. And also it's, we did, again, use it as like a, it's inspiration for the cinematography and that the frames are quite composed like and often quite static. It's set in a house as well. So that kind of how to bring out the, this psychological horror in a combined space, basically. I have not seen this film, but I watched the trailer and it looks uh, real intense. So I think I'm going <laughs> to check it out when we uh, when we conclude this podcast. And yeah, I'm excited to watch it. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> I have to admit, I have to admit, though, when I first watched it, I, I didn't understand what happened because then I was talking about it. I obviously was semi watching it for the visuals, not the story, because because I was talking about it to my cinematographer and then it quickly became apparent. I completely missed the whole point of the film. <laughs> <laughs> it so happens. I had to rewatch it. Yeah. yeah. 
is tired. <laughs> well, those are three excellent choices, Margarita. Our friends at home, you can catch them and definitely watch them before you come check out her film, When She Was Good at the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival, once again, August 20th. And tickets are available right now at ladff.com. Don't miss it. Margarita, thanks uh, for making that incredible film. And thank you for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Film Forward. We'll catch you next time. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. And if you've been listening to our podcast or coming to LADFF in the last couple of years, you probably heard us talking about E-Minutes, our incredible partner who's a sponsor of our Emerging Filmmaker Award. E-Minutes is a corporate entertainment law firm that handles the corporate minutes for more than 38,000 entities involved in the entertainment industry. And I know we got a lot of filmmakers who listen to this show and they've asked us, what does that mean? Should I be contacting them? Should I be doing this? Well, we brought in the experts to help us today. We have an attorney from E-Minutes team, Erica Easter. Erica, thank you for being here and helping us answer some of these questions. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Speaking for the LADFF team, please send our love to the entire E-Minutes team. Thank them for being a sponsor of LADFF this year and helping us out with our award. And we got some other amazing things that E-Minutes is going to be doing with LADFF, which we'll talk about later. But before we dive into the details, if you can, Erica, give us kind of just like an overview of what you guys do over there. Of course. So we are a law firm. And what we do is we form business entities. I would say about 95% of our clients are somehow involved in entertainment, whether they're filmmakers or directors or actors, some way related to entertainment. And we set up the business entities for them. And usually there's a couple of reasons why we do that. I'm sure we'll talk about that soon, but we also then handle the compliance matters that have to be done annually in order to keep the companies active and in good standing and give the benefit that they can to the creative people that we work with. Which is such a huge help. <laughs> let's talk about kind of, let's talk about that, the, the importance of setting up a company, setting up an LLC if you're an independent filmmaker. From your perspective, what are, what are some of those benefits? Sure. So if you are an independent filmmaker, there are a couple of reasons why you would want to form an entity. The number one reason from a legal standpoint is that you get limited liability when you have a company. So if something doesn't go right with your film project and somebody sues you, your personal assets are completely separate from those of the LLC. And the only thing that would be recoverable, so long as you follow all the formalities, would be the assets of the LLC not your personal assets. There's also a ton of tax reasons why you would want to form an entity. Our firm doesn't provide tax counsel, but we do work closely with a lot of accountants and business managers within the entertainment world that advise our clients on the tax implications. But just in a nutshell, um, you know, it can be more beneficial and, and how you structure loss and how you structure distributions to the owners if you have partners. Likewise, it keeps the accounting really neat and separate from your personal finances. And that's always a good thing, too. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, speaking as a, a freelance 
filmmaker. You know, the industry is is tough enough as it is. You know, my friends listening at home understand you're working long hours, they're stressful hours, and it can be feast or famine when it comes to your schedule. So when it comes to this element, the finances, payment, as you mentioned, just kind of like having somebody in your corner to have your back in case the hammer comes down on you or your company, having somebody there to support you just really makes that process as stress-free as possible because the career is stressful enough. So (laughs) you don't want to add more stress onto yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that we stress our clients. It's so important to have the team of the right professionals um, behind you when you're going into these ventures. And I know a lot of people try and you know, say, oh, I'll just do it myself. But it really, really is important if that you get people who know what you're doing so that you don't have to then go correct issues that might come up because you are not familiar with corporate law or, um, you know, you don't have a good plan if, if something doesn't go the way you want it to. Yes, absolutely. You know, like I know so many of my friends who are filmmakers or, 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 or work in the industry and they've come up against issues like this and they always attempt to try and handle it themselves or think that they're going to handle it themselves. But as I mentioned, the schedules, so their schedules are so crazy. So what happens is they just put it on the back burner and then the little problem grows into something much bigger and, and that's not something you want. So uh, you, you, you guys are integral in, uh, (laughs) in helping, Helping us stay clean, help helping us stay uh, organized, helping us stay ready, ready to work and, and be creative, which is why we're all here. That, that's exactly right. We kind of take over and do the legal side that so you can focus on what you're good at and what you know you're passionate about, and we can do what needs to be done in the background. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in addition to working with us at the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival, you work with a lot of other great organizations and nonprofits. I noticed you're working with with women in film, you know, our friends over at the Chamera Project, which is a great organization, Outfest, which is like one of the biggest and best film festivals in all of Los Angeles. So uh, we, we've got dear friends over there. So from your perspective, how awesome is it for the company and the firm to be collaborating with with all of these great entities? We love it. You know, it it really gives us a lot of excitement to be able to work with all these organizations because we love their messages. We love what they're all about and kind of gives us a chance to be more involved with our clients. Like I said before, we do work a lot with a lot of business managers. And so, you know, I would say a good percent of our clients we don't have direct contact with because we're working through their their professionals. But all of the creatives and filmmakers that we've worked with through these organizations are always, their passion is contagious. We love it. And like I said, the messages they're trying to spread and the projects they're working on are are just incredible. Amazing. Amazing. So now we do have some news to drop and that is for our friends that are going to be attending the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival this year, LADFF and E-Minutes are going to be collaborating to produce a seminar that will help filmmakers kind of workshop through some of these issues. You guys can be there to answer questions for any filmmakers who are maybe ready to take that next step. So Erica, talk to us a little bit about this seminar. It was your guys' idea about doing this. So uh, I'm very grateful that you did because I think it is, you know, it's not something that filmmakers want to talk about initially because they want to talk about the creative stuff. But when I mentioned it to a few of my friends, they're like, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go to that because it, that sounds that sounds clutch. 
Yeah. Yeah. So we've done a few of these with some other organizations and it's been really an educational process for, um, the participants, because like, like, as we've been saying, the focus is not on this part of the whole process usually. And so what we'll do is we'll talk through the whole determining what type of entity, when to form, where to form, all the questions that you might know that you didn't have before. We'll go through the process. And at the end, of course, we'll have some questions and answers time because it really depends on the specifics of each situation. There's really not a one size fits all for forming entities. So it's important to take into account lots of factors when determining that. But we're excited to hopefully teach everyone a little bit about what we do, how we do it, and can help empower you to know the process. Even if you're not quite ready to move forward yet, it's good to have it in your back pocket. Absolutely. Yeah. And we understand, you know, from my filmmaker friends, if you're not ready to make that jump yet. Uh, at some point you will. So it's good to uh, get the information as early as possible. So that way, you know, you can start preparing yourself, start thinking about it as you, as you progress in your career, because there will be a moment where you're going to need, you're going to need that partner in your corner and, and E-Minutes is, is that partner. Right. And I, I just want to say too, the timeline, you know, if you have a plan and the further out, you know, like, okay, this is going to be coming up you can usually save a lot of money in terms of fees and not having to rush and stress as well. So, you know, it's always good to know where you're going and what that path will look like way ahead of time. Keep an eye out for the information about that seminar. It is going to be taking place during Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival this year, which will be in August. We'll have more info that we'll be announcing here on Film Forward and on our website as well on our social media. So keep an eye out for that. We'll put some links in the show notes as well for that. Erica, I want to thank you for doing this for me. If people are curious now and they're ready to dive into E-Minutes, how can they find you guys? Where can they go to get the process started? Of course. So the easiest thing to do is just go to our website. It's eminutes.com. It has all our contact information and you can reach out to our intake team and schedule a call and we can kind of start talking. Even if you're not sure if it's the right time, you know, we can help you figure that out and um, go from there. Eminutes.com. You can also go to our website, ladff.com. We have eminutes linked as a partner at the bottom of our website. So you can check them out through there. And Erica, we're looking forward to that seminar in August. And once again, thank you for your support of LADFF. Thank you for the sponsorship. And we're excited for the Emerging Filmmaker Award winner this year, who's going to get the E-Minute Services as an award, the gifted award. Well, we're really excited too. And we're, we're so happy to collaborate with LADFF and excited for the seminar coming up in August. Awesome. Thank you, Erica. Appreciate it. You're so welcome. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon.